0: You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, open to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be looking at part of the last paragraph of Second Peter chapter 3 this morning. We'll be reading verses 14 through 18 in just a moment. Many of you know this. But in 1994, in the spring, my dad and mom bought a new farm. And it was a farm that my wife, Selisa, had ridden her horse on for many years because it was owned by a man in this church who lived here in the summer. But in the winter, he lived in Florida. He decided to sell the farm. Selisa talked my dad into buying it. He bought it. And before the deed was signed to my dad and my mom, WE ALREADY HAD 10 ACRES ON THE CORNER, AND WE HAD ALREADY STARTED A FOUNDATION FOR A HOUSE. SO, IN THE SPRING OF 1994, WE STARTED TO BUILD OUR NEW HOUSE. A man by the name of Herschel McKendry, who lived outside of Hardin, he actually framed the house up for us. And when they finished framing that at the end of the summer, that fall, Selisa and I worked on the upstairs. And on October 31st, Halloween of 1994, we moved into the upstairs of our house. And then for the rest of the winter, we would work on the downstairs and finish the downstairs. And then in the spring of the next year, we actually moved into our house. Can I just say this? I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. But the spring, the summer, and the fall of 1994, Sleese and I lived looking forward. We still lived on Highway 1346, also known as Dexter Road. But because we were building a new home on Redbud Road, 1204 Redbud Road to be exact, Everything we did that spring, everything we did that summer, everything we did that fall. I'm talking about literally everything. Every decision we made was made in light of our new home. How many of you have done that before? Yes. Yes. That's what Peter's talking about this morning. He's going to end this second letter where he tells us that primarily this is a second letter where he's reminding us of things he's already told us. He's going to ask us. He's going to challenge us. He's actually going to command us to look forward. Look forward to our new home on a new heaven and a new earth. And if we will... It changes how we live now. You ready? Stand with me. Open your Bibles. The ESV version of this will appear on the screen. Peter said this, Therefore, beloved, Since you're waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother Paul, beloved brother Paul, also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these things. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Love this last verse. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Father, one more time, we just ask you to anoint this service. What a blessing to have Kyle and Molly home, our Sunday Baptist missionaries to Southeast Asia. And we are so blessed to get to send them out from this church and to get to hear from them. Thank you for their life. I pray that they get encouraged while they're here on furlough. Father, but right now, we want to hear from you. And we want you to speak to us through Peter. Father, you know our heart. I think it's the desire of probably everyone here. We do not want to be hearers only. We want to be doers of your word. Therefore, we ask you to do what only you can do, and that's anoint the message. Father, you know my heart. It's the heart of this congregation that I'm not a speaker only, but also a doer of your word. So, give us the ability to understand, and not just understand, but once we do understand, but fully make the choice, the decision to life out what we believe you're saying to us this morning through Peter. Thank you, Father. In your son's name we pray amen you may be seated i don't think there's anyone here who's been under the ministry of hardened baptist church who does not know what we're supposed to do first what's our first word therefore what we're we supposed to do we're supposed to stop and we're supposed to see what it's there for and here's what it's there for It's connecting what Peter is getting ready to say to us on what he just said. So it's so important you remember what Peter's been talking about, and based on what he's been telling us, he's getting ready to tell us something else that's based on that. So important. This last paragraph of teaching is tied to the truth he's already taught especially the truth in the last paragraph now notice he doesn't just immediately launch into what he wants us to know he first reminds us of who we are therefore beloved wow Anytime I'm reading that word beloved, I can't help but remember that when God the Father would address his son here on the earth, when he literally spoke from heaven and people heard him, what did he call Jesus? Not just my son, called him my beloved son. In Ephesians, when Paul's writing about the blessings of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and he talks about the blessings of salvation that we have, he calls Jesus again the Beloved. It means he's the loved one. He's the one that's experienced the intimate love of God. And now Peter takes that same term that God the Father uses to talk about his son Jesus with and use it to address us AS HIS SONS AND HIS DAUGHTERS. DO YOU GET THAT? WE ARE THE LOVED ONES OF GOD, GOD CREATOR, GOD REDEEMER, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we're not talking about an intellectual knowledge of, we're talking about an experience of the very love of God that put Jesus on that cross in our place and has brought us into a right relationship with him. We are the loved ones of God. Are you a loved one of God? Then this is to you. This is to you. Beloved, therefore, therefore beloved. Since you are waiting for these things, Simon Kistemacher, who is one of my favorite Greek scholars, in his translation of this verse. Doesn't translate as the SV does of waiting for, but he translated as looking forward to. When you're waiting for something, you're not passive. You're active. When you're waiting for something that you're really, really excited about, you're not just waiting passively, but you're looking forward to it becoming reality. Agreed? Now, what are the things we are looking forward to? What's the these things? Well, what's he been talking about? He's been talking about the day of the Lord. Wow. The day of the Lord that will come like a thief in the night. Now, he's coming as a thief in the night, but not because it's going to be a stealth operation hate to do this but I was watching a news channel this week and there were some people showing commercials and they would show commercials of the return of Christ and all of a sudden people would just disappear and people would look around that's not the way it's going to be that day's not going to surprise you and I because we are not children of the night we're children of the light we're children of the day And when the Lord comes, you know what it says? Then, you know what's going to happen? Heavens, all the heavenly bodies, they're going to dissolve. And the earth, catch this, everything on it is going to be exposed. So, he says, we're waiting for the destruction of the present heavens and present world. And we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. And then here's what Peter says. Verse 13, last sentence. Where righteousness dwells. So, what are we looking forward to as the beloved of God? We're looking forward to a new heaven, a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now, you know what that means, right? Where we live right now is not a place of righteousness. It's a place of unrighteousness. You know that, right? Wow. I'm going to take just a minute, if you don't mind, to tell you about my week living in a place of unrighteousness. Can I just say last Sunday morning when I worshiped with you, I was so looking forward to last week. I only liked 110 acres of corn finishing the harvest. I only liked 100 acres of wheat being sown, and I'm done. I was so excited. Corey was preaching last Sunday, and we decided because of unrighteousness, there was a death in our church family you know the curse brought death into the world, right? And so we left the 1040 service and went and celebrated the life of Kelly Pascal's mom. And then we had decided, again, because of the curse, we had had a church member, Kenneth Moeller, who's been in the Nashville hospital for two weeks. And we just decided after... Visiting them at the funeral, we would drive to Nashville, visit Kenneth, and then eat at my favorite restaurant in Nashville. We get through Clarksville. It's a Sunday afternoon. Salisa's driving, and all of a sudden we hear thump, 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 thump. She said, what's wrong with your truck? I looked in my mirror, and on my side, flat tire. Can I say three weeks earlier I put brand new tires on the truck y'all gave Spare tire's never been down. Have any of you ever traveled between Clarksville and Nashville? I'm now on the side of the road, and I'm going to change a tire with semis running 80 to 85 miles an hour, and the cars passing the semis running 90 miles an hour. There was never a break. Everything that you can imagine went wrong. When I got the truck jacked up, it rolled off of the jack. took me over... I'm a farmer. It took me over an hour to change a tire. I finally get the spare down. Y'all remember that truck y'all gave me? Spare tire's never been down. Well, guess what? Because it's never been down. When they put it up underneath there, it had been pressed so tight up against the frame, it had eight slash marks on that tire, and it had dry rotted. I now put a dry rotted tire on my truck... And we limp to the next exit. When we limp to the next exit, we've now got to get back on the road. We've got to, go, and I just think there's no way we can do this. So, because of the curse, we call Kenneth and Melinda and say, "We're sorry, but we just can't do it. We just can't risk it." And so, we drive about forty-five to fifty miles an hour all the way home, being passed by everybody. Can I say that? So we get home, Kenneth is supposed to come home in a couple of days, so everything's good. And get up Monday morning, and my brother-in-law David goes with me, because he's going to diss the grounds where we can sow the wheat while I'm shelling the corn. And as soon as we get him going, guess what? We got a bearing down on the roller. But praise the Lord, we've got a turbo till also, so we don't have to change the band. We just hook the turbo till to the disc, get everything going. David disc Discalow, then Mimish Discalow, and then next thing you know, I go to relieve Mimish. And when I go to relieve Mimish, guess what? <sighs> now, I farm at Land Between the Lakes, and the deer herd has doubled in the last three years. And in this hundred-acre bottom I was in, let's just say the deers ate more than they were supposed to eat. And all of those places where they ate more than they were supposed to eat, the Johnson grass and the cucumbers, because of the curse, were taller than the corn. So that turbo teal, which is not designed for that kind of work, did not do what it needed to do. So the next day, I have to change bearings. But I realized the one bearing went out, but there was a bunch of other bearings going out too. So I put nine new bearings on that rolling basket. My son, Corey, is going to come and help disc a little bit as we get ready to sow some seed and... Guess what happened? Brand new baron. Two hours goes out. So Corey comes to the field in the truck. I think he's done. He's going to haul a semi-load of corn off for me. But of course the dead baron went out. Now we got to fix a baron. Well, guess what happened right before that? Right before that. Now again, I've just got 110 acres of corn and I'm going to be done. Well, I'm pulling in this little field and guess what? Because of the curse, there was a tree down. No problem, except my chainsaw was not in my truck. My chainsaw was at home. So that's like 45 minutes home, get the chainsaw, 45 minutes back. I got to cut up this tree. We get the bearing going. Finally, long story short, what most farmers can do in an hour, shell 45 acres, took me four days. Now get this picture. There's been another death. Then there's been another death. So when it rains Thursday night, I'm thinking, you know, my funeral's not to one o'clock. I can at least haul off that load of corn. I get in my semi. I'm coming up a big hill. It's rained that night. I'm coming up this big hill. And at the top of the hill, for some reason, there's just not much gravel on the hill at all, which means it's a little bit muddy. And it's deer season. And I don't know why, but a deer hunter decided to park in the road. So when I'm bringing 1,150 bushels of corn up in my semi, and I start to make the turn, my front end doesn't hold. It pushes toward the truck. I slam on the brakes to keep from hitting the truck. And when I did, lost all my traction. I'm now spinning on a hill about this tall. It's just me. I've got a funeral. What am I going to do? I wanted to honk my horn. I didn't. I just decide I'll back the truck down, but there's nowhere to turn this truck around. I start backing it down. That front end won't hold. Have you noticed in Kentucky when we have a heels, we have a ditch on one side and ditch on the other side? In about 10 minutes, my back two axles are in this ditch, and my front two axles are in this ditch, and I'm crossways in the road. And I can't do anything. Can't do anything. I walk about Two miles to my truck. I call Mimish. She's going to bring some cables. Corey was teaching. He can't be there for a couple hours. So I call my friend Michael Palmer. Michael Palmer says, hey, I can help you. So Michael comes to help me. So Mimish and I, when she gets there, we decide we're just going to go get the tractor. going to pull the a tra- semi out with the tractor. We go to get the tractor that we've just finished sowing the wheat with. And guess what? It won't start. It won't start. Now, can I just say that our truck, because of the curse, when you open the hood, those two little things on the side will not hold the hood up. So we have to put a sledgehammer or an axe to hold the hood up when you're... And by now, when Mimi starts to get the axe out, she just is dying laughing. So we were trying to... Well, can I just say the truck would never... The tractor would never start. So now we go get our other tractor on the other end of LBL and we find it. And I'm calling Jeff and Lori saying, guys, I'm sorry, but I've got to get this truck out of the middle of the road. I may not get to come to the funeral. They said, Brother Ricky, it'll be okay. We're going to pray for you. They pray for me. Michael comes. We get the other tractor down there. Everything goes perfect. We get to the top of the hill. And guess what Michael Palmer said? God bless him. Michael Palmer said, Brother Ricky, I'm just going to take that truck for you. Don't you worry about it. I'm saying, praise the Lord. Jeff and Lori's praying. Everything's going to be good. I go home. I shower. I've got just a few minutes. I put my suit on. And when I come in, can I just say this? I sowed grass in my yard about a month ago, and it's not come up yet. That's not good. But when I came around the corner between the barn and the house, I could see little grass everywhere. It was beautiful because I had left early before it light. And, and you know what I did? I said to Memish, I said, Mimish, come out here grass everywhere so I take the shower I've got my suit on I'm looking out my back door for just some reason and guess who's in the backyard three of my granddaughter's horses are in the backyard <laughs> and guess what they're doing they're just running through my new grass <sighs> After I did the funeral Michael Palmer said Hey I'll help you shell Not gonna shell anymore Conor. Didn't do anything Friday afternoon Didn't do anything yesterday because of the curse The curse is so bad My Kentucky Wildcats got beat by the Alabama Crimson Tide yesterday And so says Tennessee Volunteers got Crushed by Missouri Wow We just live in a world of unrighteousness. Everybody agree? (laughs) Don't you, anybody ask me if I'm going to finish the crop this year. I probably won't, but it's okay. (laughs) I am looking forward. I'm not looking here. But am I really? I mean, can I be totally honest with you? I think of all the teachings of the Bible, this is the one we neglect the most. There's hardly any of us here who are healthy and have family are really looking forward to the new heaven and the new. We only want it for our dying relatives. We don't want it for us. We don't want to go there. If we had the choice today to go, we would choose not to go. Now, I know my week was nothing compared to what's going on in the Middle East. My week was nothing compared to what's going on in Ukraine. My week is nothing compared to what's going on in Sudan. But do we wonder how life must have been for that early church? For Peter to say, since you are waiting, since you are looking forward... To this new heaven, this new earth where righteous dwells, where there is no unrighteous, there is no sin, there is no curse, there is no death, there is no suffering, there is no war. He urges them to look forward. Do we look forward? See, the reason he wants to look forward is because he's going to tell us four things that happen when we look forward. And if we're not looking forward, there's a good chance these four things aren't in our life. You ready for the first thing? He says, since we are looking forward, since we are waiting for these things, a new heaven, a new earth where righteousness dwells. He then says this, be diligent. This word, be diligent, is the same word that's used in chapter 1, but the SV translates it, not diligent there. The SV translates, make every effort. So, I want you to catch this. If you believe, like Peter believes, that you have a home on a new earth under a new heaven... Here's what he commands us. Be diligent. To diligent means make every effort. Put everything into this pursuit. And what are we pursuing? We're pursuing to be found by him. Without spot and blemish and at peace. I hope you recognize this, but this word found, it's a legal word. And it's the picture of you finding yourself in front of a judge. When you find yourself in front of the judge, you don't want emotion. You want evidence and you want facts. Agreed? And so here's the picture. On the day of the Lord, when the earth and the works on it are exposed, your works and my works are going to be exposed too. You're going to stand before God as judge. And here's what you better be making an effort to do. To not have any spots, no blemishes, and to be at peace on that day. wow you say hold it brother I'm a believer what's that guy do with anything you're still going to stand before the Lord matter of fact Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and they were doing some things he didn't think they were doing he said why in the world are you doing that do you not know you're going to stand before God and then he quotes the Old Testament that every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow before him and then he says so each one of us will give account of ourselves to him Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Living in a tremendous time of persecution. And he reminded them. Better be careful how you live in your life because you one day are going to be judged. And you're going to receive from God. Well, you've done good or you've done bad. So here's this picture. When Jesus comes back and the heavens are dissolving, you and I as believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And God's going to examine our life. And the evidence is going to talk. And you know what Peter says? Better not be any spots. Spots. better not be any blemishes and you better be at peace whoa can i just say what peter believes here if you and i looked forward to a new home in heaven with god but we knew before we get there we're going to stand in front of him and get an account of our life it will change the way we live Because when you get ready to open that mouth, and you get ready to do that, whatever you're going to do, you do it not in light of now, you do it in light of eternity, and it changes everything. Wow. I want to remind all of us of something that I've reminded us through the years. And that's who we are. We are saints of God. God transformed us from sinners into saints, and he has clothed us with the righteousness of his Son. And we wear the suit, if I could say, of salvation. We wear the robe of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And you know what God does not want us to do? He does not want us to get it dirty. He do not want any spots on it. You've heard me tell this before. I want to remind you again. If you walk into my closet, there's two sections in my closet. There's my farm clothes. I call them my work clothes. And there's my church clothes. The reason I call them my work clothes is because this church has just convinced me that when I'm dirty and I'm farming, I'm working. But when I got my church clothes on, I'm clean. Nobody sees dirt. Nobody ever says, wow, I see you're working. They only say I'm working when I'm dirty. So, I've got my work clothes and I got my church clothes. And here's my psychology. It's just my psychology. When I go to that work side of the closet, I don't think about dirt, don't think about grease, don't think about oil. I have actually done this. I've actually got grease on my hands and not have anything to wipe my hands with. And I just get down here real low and wipe them on my jeans. I have had a cheeseburger that I'm eating having grease running down my face and because I'm in my work clothes, I just grab the bottom of my shirt that's already got grease and dirt on it and I wipe my mouth. And I never think a thing. Because if I can be honest with you, when I'm out in public and you see me, y'all gonna look at me and go, hey, Brother Ricky, you're working. And I love that because I love to work so I don't think a thing about it. Matter of fact me and Sister have this argument I bring my dirty clothes in that I wore all day long She wants me to put them in the dirty clothes hamper And then she wants to take them out of the dirty clothes hamper And she wants to wash them and dry them And I'm going why are we going to do that Why don't you just let me put them on And wear them two or three days And get them really good and dirty Because you're going to get them clean I'm going to get them dirty tomorrow Let's not waste the energy of you washing and drying them And let's Does that make sense to anybody in here? And when they're really dirty and really baggy on you, they're really comfortable. (laughs) But here's what I want y'all to know. When I went to Marty's celebration of life for his mother, and I went to Granny's celebration of life, and I switched from those farm clothes to those church clothes, Different attitude. When I went to that side of the closet and I got out those clothes that had no stains, I got out that white shirt, I got out that tie, got out that coat, got out whatever I was going to wear. You know what I will not do before a funeral? I will not eat. You know why I will not eat before a funeral? Because I can't get anything on me. Do you know I've had to change shirts before because I did not know this? Even though we take a clean white shirt to the cleaner and get it clean, sometimes when it comes back, it'll have a spot on it. Do you think I've ever wore a shirt that I knew had a spot on it to a funeral? Absolutely not. That'd be disrespectful. Can you imagine me standing for a group of people and there being a spot right here? Nobody would see the suit and Brother Ricky and the white shirt. You'd see the spot, right? Right? Friday after the funeral, I hadn't eaten. It was about 3 o'clock. They had this big chocolate cake. I couldn't stay and eat, but I got me a piece to go. Decided I was going to eat it on the truck on the truck on the way home, and I stopped by the Dairy Queen, and instead of just asking for a plastic fork, I didn't want to like a cheapskate, so I ordered a Sprite and a double cheeseburger, but I was really just wanting to ask for a plastic fork. I'm the only guy that's ever ordered a cheeseburger and asked for a plastic fork with it. The guy gave it to me. Y'all know what I did? I took that coat off. I took that tie off. I asked for extra napkins. I put them in the lap. I put them down the front of that shirt. And I ate a cheeseburger like I would never eat a cheeseburger. I ate a cheeseburger as carefully as I could eat it. I usually devour chocolate cakes. It took me all the way home to eat that cake. Because my whole purpose was, Mimish is not taking this suit to the cleaner. I am not getting anything on this suit. I'm talking about dirt. I'm talking about not even a spot. And how many of us live our life that way? You ain't worried about your spots. So you open that mouth and you know what you say. And you know what you do to get back at someone. You know the feelings of hate and the feelings of revenge and the feelings of, you know. And you know those decisions you make. Not a decision you make in light of where your next home is going to be. But you make the decision in light of you live right now on a place where there is unrighteous. And you respond to that unrighteous rather than respond to the righteous that's going to be revealed to you on the day of judgment. And so we stand before God and we stand before fellow believers and we stand before unbelievers with spite. We don't think a thing about it, and some of you men actually say to your wife, "Well, that's just the way I am." How many times they got ask you this? Are you kidding me? It should break our heart. Why is Peter using this language? He's using this language because he's reminded us in the first letter. That we were redeemed by the blood of Christ like a lamb without spot and blemish. Throughout the Old Testament era, whenever you brought a sacrifice to God and you chose your animal, you didn't bring the one that was lame. You didn't bring the one that was sick. You didn't bring the one that was about to die. You brought the one without spot and blemish. because God is worthy of our best. Do you know what this means? This means if we're in the Old Testament era, and I'm a cattle farmer, and I've got those Angus cattle that have the ability to win state shows, when he gets ready to offer one to God, I don't give God the one that's ready to die. I give him the one that's going to win the state fire. That's who you are to him. That's who you are to him. He's cleansed us by the blood of his son, and he's made us beloved sons. He's told us about our home in heaven. He doesn't want us to passively wait. He wants us to aggressively look forward and as we're looking forward, knowing we're going to meet him, we're going to stand before him, we don't want to stand before him with any spot. No blemish. So no matter what's going on in my world of unrighteousness with the flat tires, the down bearings, stuck in two ditches at the same time with a semi, horses running through my new grass. Not my horses. No reaction that reveals a spot or a blemish. Or fear or anxiety. But peace. Why do we not live that way? Here's why I know to be honest with you. I'm guilty. I don't live in light of my new home. And most of us don't. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let what I think Peter meant here to happen. I'm going to let 1994 and how I could actually live on Dexter Road in the spring, summer, and fall. But yet while I lived there, I looked forward to my new home and that building of the new home. Affected every decision I made. I'm going to commit the rest of my life to living that way right now. So from now on, I'm going to look forward. And as Corey named this series, Peter wants us to live forward. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Can we just take just a minute? Any spots? Any blemishes? Anything right now in your life that you know you're going to be ashamed of and not proud of on the day of judgment? Would you let him identify that to you right now? And I'm sorry we're out of time, but next Sunday we're going to finish this paragraph and we're going to talk about how to deal with those spots, wrinkles, and blemishes in light of this passage and in light of the second coming of Jesus. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content, or other information about our church, please visit hardenedbaptist.org.